Yeah, look, treat me like a rock when you see me, I'm electrifying. Yeah, only talk I do is edifying. They say preach, they say church when I'm testifying. Hey, David here. Just wanted to let you know that all of the opinions expressed in this episode are just that opinions, and they're just the opinions of us guys that are in the conversation. Um, that is me, Jonathan Smith, John Carter, and Dalen Pelham. They do not represent the opinions of necessarily of any of our previous sponsors or current sponsors. They also do not represent the opinions of the churches that we attend. Um, but hopefully you enjoy this episode. And if you have any questions, contact us at sportsandjesus at gmail.com or get in touch with us through our social media. Also, please leave a review. That would be very helpful to us. But um, hope you enjoy. Carvello told him send a pack at once. Right. Uh, one take Billy. I don't have to do a punch. Like I just ate the beat. I don't have to take a lunch. You All right. Uh, back to the fun discussion on uh, NASCAR. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, race NASCAR. Gotcha. Yeah. But then there's did, but though. then there's some race stuff in NASCAR. So it's like. What are we really talking about? Yeah. Double entendre. Yeah, yeah. That was almost like a triple entendre. Is that a real thing? Yeah, I think so. Okay. How many entendres can you have? Like, what's the max entendre? The most I've heard. What's, what's the Guinness? Four, probably. Okay, a quadruple entendre? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat it one day. I'm gonna, By the end of this episode, I'm going to come up with a... What do you say when it's five? Oh, That's unprecedented. Well, Quit. Quid? Quint? Like five, five kids is like quintuplets, right? So uh, quadruplets, quintuplets. So, so quintantra. quintantra. <laughs> okay, that's this is not what we're going to be talking about. Um, oh, I just almost dropped everybody's microphones. Uh, so yeah, so back on the uh, the topic of race in America and. Um, race in the church. And um, so the first thing I kind of want to talk about right now in, in this section, I'm not sure yet if this is the second part of one episode or the second episode of two episodes, but either way. Um, by the way, before we get started, I want to say go follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And I think we have a Twitter. I don't know if Joy handles that and he's not here. Um, but uh, yeah, give us. Send us emails at sportsandjesus at gmail.com, I think is our email. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've done this. This is first one since January, so I don't remember all of our <laughs> but yeah. Um holler at us, send us um send us any questions you have, any stuff you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh yeah, just just give us a give us a shout. Please give us a review on iTunes if you like. If you like it, give us a review. If you don't like it, don't give us a bad review, please. Just stop listening to us. Would be preferred. Unless you might, probably most of you don't like it, but you like us. So also give us a good review. Because maybe there's somebody that'll like it. I, ha- I had somebody get in contact with um, get in contact with me, with us, from, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to call him out because he listens to every episode. But, uh. Hopefully we'll be we'll be talking to him soon. Got a new f- friend of the show, but uh, from outside uh, the state, yeah, from out yes, from outside the country. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, anyway, so talking about race, I kind of want to move forward. We've talked about um, our feelings on police reform, our feelings on George Floyd, our feelings on the gospel. We got we followed that at one point, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. So I think another issue that's become big at the moment is the removal, especially in the South. So we're based out of Northwest Alabama. Um, all of us here from North Alabama. And um, so it's, it's really big around here, big discussion. You know, we're not far from, for example, we're not far at all from Mississippi, who as of yesterday, I think, voted to um, change. They haven't voted what they're going to change it to, but they're going to change their flag because they had the Confederate battle um, symbol on their flag, and so they're going to take that off of there. Um, there is, in, I know in our city, there's things happening towards the removal of the the local um, Confederate statues. Did y'all hear a knock? I thought I heard a knock. Um, hello? Maybe maybe it's the Holy Ghost knocking on our, our, the door of our heart. <laughs> That's, that's not really what the Holy Ghost does, but <laughs> he, he kind of just kicks down that door. But uh, um, and he's a ghost; he can just go through doors. So obviously, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, uh, yeah. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, like I said, local um, Confederate monuments are probably going to be removed at some point. That's um, that's being called for all over the place, and I think uh, we all probably here would side on the side of it's probably a good thing um, that these monuments are probably going to be taken down. Um, I think I'm I'm speaking for myself, but I think y'all would agree that we believe probably those monuments should have never been put up. Um, I think the issue is that building a statue is honoring is is obviously bringing honor to somebody that's what happens when you build a statue and we would all say that the confederacy is not something that deserves to be honored and that and again coming from a person who my my family's from mississippi my ancestors are from mississippi i'm live in alabama like i'm sure i have ancestors that fought for the confederacy um, in the Civil War, and uh, so, so that's technically, I guess, y'all can't see me putting up quotation, but that that's my heritage, and I'm saying that that's not something to be that should have been celebrated um, ever. Um, so, the argument against that, though, from the other side, is that that is an attempt to re rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. That's hard to say. Rewrite history. Um, and we would say, and I think Jonathan's going to give us some, some evidence of this, but that it's it's not an attempt to rewrite history. It's actually an attempt to more accurately tell history. Um, if you're not from the South, you might not be aware of, but that for a long time, post-Civil War, 
um, in the South, like the way we probably all of us sitting at this table, the way we were taught history was the Confederates weren't the bad guys. Um, they weren't necessarily the good guys, but they weren't the bad guys. The Civil War was fought for other things other than slavery. Slavery was really down on the list, and that you know they are they do deserve honor. Um, I even recently listened to a podcast where the guy found a, like a nineteen, I think it was nineteen seventy something or nineteen sixty something Alabama fourth grade textbook, and uh, when talking about the Civil War, it was and talking especially about the South pre Civil War was very romanticized. Um, very, I wish I could, I had the words in front of me that it, he, he read it on the podcast, but, um, yeah, it was just crazy the way it, there was even a, one of the assignments for the kids in the class was to think of themselves as a child living on a plantation and, um, you're being, being friends with the children that are slaves. And cause I'm sure that that's how things worked. And, uh, <laughs> like, like just basically, I mean, just made it sound like it was just, that was a great place to be, um, was pre-Civil War South living on a plantation. Um, but yeah, so that's what I want to talk about. Te- tearing down monuments or I guess getting monuments removed, um, taking down the Confederate flag from places, uh, rewriting history or um, telling history more accurately, uh, Jonathan. If you want to give some of the some of the stuff you're reading before we recorded, but on I, I forget what you you called it, but yeah, I'll just let you you go. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't heard, um, I would encourage you to Google this term. Um, it's called the lost cause narrative, and I've been trying to educate myself about history. You know, one thing. When I was in high school, I didn't really pay attention that much in school. I didn't really care. But then another thing, I, I'm wondering if even if I would have paid attention, some of the history might have been skewed a certain way or biased a certain way. So I've recently tried to be a responsible individual and a responsible Christian, and I want to learn about you know the history of, of some of these things. And, and so the lost cause narrative is actually um, what the, the Confederate South invented after the Civil War. Um, so it mythologized the white pre-Civil War in the South as a virtuous, patriotic group of tight-knit Christian communities. So they wanted to paint the picture that these were good Christian people who were um, oppressed, if you will, by the evil North and their policies. And, and I'm reading this from, I want to give credit where credit's due, I'm reading this from Jamar Tisby's book called The Color of Compromise, The Truth About the American Church's Complicity in Racism. It's a very interesting book to understand how the church, what was the church doing during all of these times of slavery, Reconstruction, um, Jim Crow laws, and, and all of these different errors. So this lost cause narrative, actually, it's interesting that even as we speak, this week, the Alabama Department of Archives and History um, made a statement. This was June 23rd, 2020. You can look this up. 
It's a statement of recommitment. They have several different points that they want to recommit themselves to in light of uh, the racial tensions and calls for justice and human dignity that have been going on. But one of the things that's interesting is that their second point, they say that they were in significant part rooted in the legacy of um, white supremacy. The state of Alabama founded the department in 1901, and I'm reading from their statement. The department was founded in 1901 to address a lack of proper management of government records, but also to serve as a white Southern concern for the preservation of Confederate history and the promotion of lost cause ideals. So there you have that the current president has actually admitted after they've gone through some of their historical documents that they were complicit, their organization in the early 1900s, of promoting these lost cause narratives and ideals, which um, painted a picture of the Confederacy or the antebellum South as a virtuous, very Christian, um, good place. So that's just something that's very interesting. Some of these people who are arguing that the Civil War wasn't fought over slavery, or maybe it was very low on the list of things, and you know the Confederate flag stands for, I saw someone post something that it stands for all these Christian things. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe there is some Christian symbolism in there, but you have to ask the question, what in, like what did it actually stand for back then? And so I think some of these things are coming to light now that it will be hard for others to argue against. And, and this, man, this issue, I think this issue, and, and I'm basing this off of what I see on social media, this issue, I think, in the South is, I would say, even a bigger issue than the police stuff that we talked about earlier. Like, there are... Like, I see a lot of people that are, like, fighting mad that these statues might be removed. Um, and it's... Okay, this is... This is just... Uh, this might be a little bit of frustration coming out right here. But uh, it, it frustrates me that the typically... And I might have to I might have to go back and erase this. But uh typically the people that are so upset that the Confederate statues are being removed are the same people that were so upset at Colin Kaepernick's unpatriotic taking a knee as a as a peaceful protest. And I just I don't understand how the how we can't see the hypocrisy in that, that we're literally like our courthouses, outside of our courthouses, our statues commemorating the greatest rebellion in our country's history. And like, like the, how you don't see, like how can you get more unpatriotic than that? Like they, those the Confederacy fought against America because it did not believe that all people should be free. Like, <laughs> because it fought against the freedom of people, not for the freedom of people. So I don't understand how those two things, how, and, and I know, like, we all have hypocrisy in us. I'm sure there's, 
I know there's a hypocrisy in me, um, a, a lot of things, probably especially when it comes to sports. But um, but yeah, but I just don't see like that. Just seems so obvious to me. Like, how can you be so unpatriotic in one situation and so over the top patriotic in another situation? Like, I'm I'm sorry, that was there wasn't really a lot of spiritualness in that or anything. But that just that's just something that just is really like on this issue that that really frustrates me is like, I feel like the more patriotic thing, the more celebrating thing of America would be like, let's get rid of, let's stop honoring the people that fought against America. I mean, that just seems pretty obvious to me. Um, I think it goes to show how ingrained this whole ideal, I guess is, or ideology is. I don't know if you remember when we were in school, uh, David, but there would be some on Martin Luther King Day would say, "Oh, it's Robert E. Lee Day," because I mean they are they are yeah. on the same day. But, yeah, they had the same but they birthday. would make the point to say it's Robert E. Lee Day instead of Martin Luther King Day. Now I'm not saying I, you know, I remember that. You know, I don't. I'm not saying I don't celebrate or I wouldn't celebrate either one if they did something that was worthy of celebrating uh, or commemorating rather. But you know, it was just obvious to show how some were raised. You know, even influence go to say. So yeah. it's like I mean I understand what you're saying, and it's just something that's been ingrained, like you said, in the South's mind, and like how Jonathan was reading, uh, it's, it's just been perpetuated over the years. So I mean, it's something that we all deal with, whether we realize it or not. I also have the same birthday as Robert E. Lee and Martin Luther King. It's always been. So I always just say it was my birthday. But, uh, but you you also hear, like, for example, you hear the same people always saying, like, you know, February is Black History Month. and Well, when is White History Month? The other 11 Every months. Other month. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? Like, it, but, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, it's so, like, just in, ingrained in Southern culture that just, the like, it, People have a hard time, I don't know, this might be everywhere, but I'll say especially in the South, thinking that their family or the people they're close to or their ancestors or their family at any point was just wrong about something. Like People just have a hard time accepting that. And uh, and that's, I mean, that's somewhat understandable, but still, I mean, you just got to, like, they can... It's okay. Like, they can be wrong. Like, I heard, I was listening to, um, even talking about the flag and the Confederate flag, but even the American flag, I was listening to, uh, as if you listen to this podcast, you know, me and Joy are pretty big Dan Levitard fans, but I was listening to the Dan Levitard show the other day, and they had um, John Amici, who's on there, who's a former NBA basketball player, but he's British, and so they they were just kind of asking him, like, how is like the rest of the world seeing what's taking place in America. And he's like, honestly, he's like, nobody in the rest of the world understands why y'all make such a big deal about your flags and stuff anyways. He's like, you don't see, he's like, we don't, we see our flag in England and we understand some of the things England has done under the banner of that flag and its history. And like, we just know that's not something to be celebrated. Like, but we can't, we can't do that here for some reason. We just think if, our ancestors did it, or if America did it, then it was the right thing to do. 
thing. Like our people are always the good guys, no matter what. And it just, I just don't, I don't know. That's just, that's, that's frustrating on many different levels. And I think kind of what you're saying makes me, from a Christian perspective, wonder about our evangelism. There are people who see us refusing, and I say us because I'm talking about, you know, not every individual in the church, but many. So I'm going to say us. I'm going to put myself in that category. Some of us refuse to acknowledge the ugliness and sinfulness and racism of our past. Not my past as an individual, mm-hmm. even though maybe I've had that, but I'm talking about the Civil War and everything, everything, basically all of America's history. Yeah. And when we refuse to do that, and when we take, when, when we choose our hill to die on as this, this monument that many see as a, an affront to justice, an affront to all people being free. And, and some Christians are just refusing to even listen to the other perspective on this. I think that hinders our evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a big proponent that one of the things I think, and I think we're going to get to this, I'll talk about it more later, that Christians should be mindful of going forward in terms of rec- racial reconciliation is understanding and dealing with our with the the church's past. Yeah, and that that fits into I think the same category is like especially especially in reform circles. Like we have a hard time seeing the sins. I had a hard time for a long time seeing the sins of reformed pastors and theologians of the past and even the reformed church of the past because like coming out of not reformed into reformed and and like just it, it being so celebrated it just i just couldn't see how anybody that was reformed could ever be wrong in anything and then you're like wait the puritans believe what they own slaves some of them own slaves like they what like and it was really it was i don't know i, I probably some some of y'all are familiar with it but it was propaganda's Precious Puritan song a few years ago that was like just do you remember that that was just like eye opening to me like just that I mean like we've all I mean everybody's sin everybody's got sin everybody makes mistakes everybody's got and you just can't we don't lift up the people that came before us I mean we recognize some of the good things they did but and some of the ways God has used people but um I mean don't throw the the baby out with the bathwater, which I think is some sometimes some of that is what some people want to happen in America right now. But um, but yeah. So um, anybody else got anything to say on that issue before we move into white Jesus? I think another thing from a Christian perspective is just love your neighbor. You know, I, yeah. I can understand a sincere white person who just doesn't get why we want to tear down these monuments. But at the same time, I think the Bible is calling you and I to love our neighbors ourselves. If, if, if there's a whole host of the church community of brothers and sisters in Christ who are saying, this flag offends me. It represents 
an evil time in, in the history of our country. These monuments represent an evil time, an evil people in the history of our country. Then at the very least, I think loving our neighbor means hearing them out. And ultimately, you know, in, in Philippians, Paul says, you know, to have the mind of Christ who thinks of other people as more important than themselves. At the end of the day, it, it don't really matter. You know, it don't really matter if I don't think it's offensive as a white person or as, or, you know, as who, whoever. At the end of the day, I think it's loving our neighbors, listening to them and and tr- and striving for unity with them, you know, and, and if that means tearing down some statues, like we're going to be okay in 10 billion years in glory. We're not going to be like, man, I can't believe we tore down those statues. You know, it, it's not it's not going to be that big of a deal. I think love of neighbor calls us to actually consider what our neighbors are saying. I just think a big question, too, is should be asked, whose morality are we trying to uphold by? Well, first of all, the other yeah, the statues, what do they represent? So then you say, well, they were they made choices and those choices reflect a sense of morality that they believed they had. So to take them down today would mean or to, to leave them up would show if you're if you're brought if the information is brought to your attention what these people or these organizations did and it doesn't go with the morality uh, whom the lawgiver gives, which is God, then like Jonathan was saying, uh, even if I myself might not be affected by it, we have to realize that God might be personally affected by it because he doesn't, it, much to popular uh Much to the the disgrace of popular opinion that some people will say, oh, well, God condones slavery. Nay, he doesn't because that's a different type of slavery that that he gave rules and regulations for. Uh, So like Jonathan was saying, we as a people, God's people, have to be aware that people are brought up differently. People have different beliefs. People have different ideas. uh, And people... communicate with people differently as well and are affected by other people differently. Uh, so I just I just think that the statues are portraying a morality that the United States has like he you know once he once this started he gave uh, that they have been trying to uphold and paint a picture is that we as a people uh, support this. You know, we are okay with it. We ultimately uh, cherish these memories pretty much. And I mean, this is a small point, but it's just, you know, it, it seems nonsensical to me, the, the whole argument of by removing the statues <clears throat> that was somehow erasing history. I mean, I would compare that to pretty much everybody that's alive knows about Auschwitz, but you don't see Hitler statues all over Germany. So just because something is removed from our site that may offend that's not erasing what we already know about about those events so our last thing i'll say then with that what he just what he just said that's like us with our sins we don't forget our sins we still might have scars from our sins but with those are still in place you know we all know the saying history is doomed to repeat itself 
unless we learn from it. So I'm not saying those statutes should stay up, but like he was saying, we all know what has happened in the past. So unless we do take action now to right those wrongs, eventually somebody's going to stand up and be like, oh, I want to be like that man. Oh, I want to be like this person. So, yeah, it's like we, we don't. We don't live in the Stone Age anymore, where like hieroglyphics on cave walls are the only ways we know what happened. Like we got we got books of history and stuff. Like that stuff's not getting erased. Like our music in this episode is brought to you by No Big Deal and Esso. The first song is a new song by No Big Deal called Parabolic, and that's N O B I G D Y L. You can find him on Spotify and iTunes. And the current song is by No Big Deal, and the last song is by Esso. You can also find him on Spotify and iTunes. Check him out. I want to move into, um, so basically along that, kind of that, that train of thought, um, Sean King, who from what I understand, is a leader in the Black Lives Matter organization, um, has also called for the um, removal of statues of white Jesus. Um, he said, let me just read his, his tweets. Um, yes, I think the statue, statues of white European they claim is Jesus should also come down. They are a form of white supremacy, always have been. In the Bible, when the family of Jesus wanted to hide and blend in, guess where they went? Egypt, not Denmark. Tear them down. Good point. <laughs> and then he also said, yes, all murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their white friends should also come down. They are a gross form of white supremacy. Created as tools of oppression, racist propaganda, they should all come down. And... um this is probably going to be surprising. This is going to be a. Uh, this might be a little controversial too, but I, I think we would probably agree with that. <laughs> I think we would. Uh, and, and this is just speaking from experience. Um, again, I know I've said this I think multiple times. Like I, I can only speak from my white experience, but um, seeing growing up, seeing everywhere. Um, not just at my church, but just seeing everywhere. Like when you go, growing up, when you go to the mall and you see, you know, things for sale that have Jesus on them, like it was always white Jesus. Growing up seeing Jesus is white and the other people in the Bible is white made me think of them as, I guess, racially my people when I understood the Bible. And like we talked about that that dividing wall, like I saw myself, as on the inside of the dividing wall initially. Um, I saw constantly put myself in like the hero of the story is me. And we've talked about that on this podcast before, why that's problematic. Um, but what it also did is it mean, meant that I saw people that didn't look like that, subconsciously saw people that didn't look like that as outside of God's people just inherently. Um and so I think absolutely, like, if you don't understand, like, Jesus wasn't white. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I probably should have led with that. Like, <laughs> Jesus wasn't white. Like, I played, um, we probably at this point have played a clip of a song of Esso called White Jesus. And, and at one point, he says in the song, like, finding a white man and 
first century Galilee is like trying to find a Bigfoot riding a unicorn jumping over a rainbow. Like there's just, there are no, there, I feel pretty confident in also saying there are no white people in the Bible. Like they're, they're not there. Um, it was, from, from my understanding, it was when many of like the Germanic, more white, um, people took over Rome and took over Catholicism and then they began to, you know, paint Jesus as looking like themselves. Um, not just Jesus and not just other people in the Bible, but even some of the saints as well. I mean, we don't know exactly, for example, like we don't know exactly the ethnicity of St. Augustine, but he was from Africa. Like <laughs> He was from, from North Africa. Um, like there's there's many early saints that there are a lot of the early church fathers that were from Africa, and uh, but they're still always typically depicted as as white. And so I think that that's as surprising as it be. Like I agree with him. I think um, that's been something that I've been intentional with as I've I've raised my daughter. Is like I don't want her to have a white image of Jesus. And, and, and I've been told like it's I'm kind of being nitpicky like that's not b- that big of a deal, but I think it I think it is like if you want, um, I think it's more healthy her understanding that she was brought into God's people. Um, I think that should hopefully in her eyes as she grows up see more of equality with all people um, that he's done that too. But would any of y'all like to, to add to that? That's, um, we could talk about that for a long time. But it, but yeah, I think, yeah, bring, bring down white Jesus. I know a lot of <laughs> younger black people, especially around my generation, uh, usually mm-hmm. identify Christianity uh, in more typically evangelical Christianity with the white man's religion. Uh, And pretty much what David was just saying is debunking that myth that it was their religion to begin with because, like he said, a lot of the church fathers originated from Africa. And if we want to be honest, like he said, Jesus more than likely wasn't black, so I'm not saying he was a black man, but he was somebody of some kind of melanated descent. So to say that, and you know, in in response to the oh well, it's the white man's religion. They beat us, they enslaved us, they gave us a slave Bible and made us believe it, and then that way they can control us. Uh, that may be true, and that was the case. They did use it as a form of control, but that doesn't go against that. It's still true. Uh, something can be true and use be used for the wrong uh, purpose, but that doesn't negate its truthfulness. Uh, so. I just want to inject that, and I'm black as well, so I just, you know. Hey, you know, people can't see us. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but just, just to say that, so I'm, I, I have some friends and people I've talked to that, you know, oh, it's, why are you believing that? You know, you a black man and this and that, and, you know, it's just, it's it's saddening to see that people would rather believe in a lie, as the Bible says, than take hold of the truth. I'm absolutely content to have no images at all, considering that God told us, you know, to not make graven images of ourselves. I mean, in my opinion, get rid of every one of them. 
Yeah, but I mean, you got to put it's a Jesus storybook Bible. They got you. Like, <laughs> what do you do? Put like a shadow. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it comes in in terms of what you're saying about how sometimes minorities, especially black people, are turned off by Christianity because of some of these things. I think sometimes in the white community, I've heard people just be confused by that. Like, well, we just, you know, it's obviously not the white man's religion, you know, and all this. But I think I think a little bit more work needs to be done. And, and that's why earlier I said, like, I think as Christians, especially as maybe white Christians, we need to understand this history because when you start learning and understanding this history more and more and more and seeing the complicity that especially many white churches had with segregation and discrimination and slavery and lynchings and burnings of people's houses and and like these were people who would go to church on Sunday morning. I'm not saying everybody, but many Christians were involved in this. Mm-hmm. And then so when I hear a black man tell me that he doesn't want to believe in Christianity because it's the white man's religion and all of these things, for me as a like that makes sense. Of course I want this brother to be a Christian. Like I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. But I think for me to at least for a moment empathize with this man and say, Brother, I've been reading history and I understand where you're coming from. And I'd love to talk more about that if 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 you if you would like. You know, I think so many people I've seen on Facebook, their their reaction is to recoil and to get defensive and to try to strike with some arguments instead of just saying, that makes sense. It makes sense why you wouldn't want to be a Christian when you understand the history. But but I want to say to them that Jesus would adamantly be against the behaviors of of these Christians that we have seen. The the enslavement, the murder, the rape, all of these, the segregation, all of these things, like Jesus would be adamantly against that. And and to just, and to try to build some, some solidarity with them that way. Um, As a, as a, as a, you know, with the hopes of evangelism, with the hopes of having gospel conversations with them, helping them see the true Jesus helping them see the true religion of, of Christianity. And I mean, I can't imagine how helpful that would be. I mean, because it just, like you said, most people just recoil from that idea. And I mean, that just adds fuel to the fire for the person that's opposed to. It's like, okay, well, they're brushing that under the table as if it doesn't matter. Whereas if you, you know, approached it from that, like, yes, I've seen this saying, and that was absolutely wrong. And our Savior would be absolutely opposed to that. I think that would open the door and, you know, you know, kind of disarm them a little bit more to actually listen. Like, okay, well, you know, that's something I haven't heard before. I haven't heard somebody, you know, voice, yes, that is wrong and see it the way I see it. Also, I have have some thoughts about um, just Sean King. And and one one of my thoughts is, isn't it sad that it takes someone who is obviously not identifying as a Christian to to for us to like consider 
not promoting white Jesus, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and so, but that leads me to a concern, like many, like growing up when I think about racial reconciliation, I think about the integration of schools that might've been influenced by people in the church, but that was something outside of the church that happened. Yeah. And, and the church really still hasn't followed suit. Like yeah. most congregations are, all white, mostly white, mostly black. And and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um I that's a longer conversation. Um I'm not I'm not criticizing definitely not criticizing black congregations because I understand like our my ancestors didn't want y'all in, in our church. So like it doesn't make it makes sense why there's black congregations. You know what I'm saying? But it's this, what I wanted to talk about is this idea of kind of the culture crying out for justice. The culture is crying out, you know, a few, a few months ago, there was a big, a big stink about sexual abuse. Um, and, and sometimes it's the cult, like the Me Too movement that happened outside of the church. You know what I'm saying? And so I think in God's providence, He's allowing the culture to make some steps in the right direction. Obviously, sexual abuse of women is, is awful. Racism is awful. And the and injustice is awful. The culture is making these moves. But I think as Christians, we also need to be cautious because if we just keep following the culture, the culture is is going to take things too far. Yeah. The culture is going to um, advocate for a complete um, breakdown of some Christian doctrines of, of homosexuality, of transgenderism, you know, they're, they're going to say, you better fully accept these people as members and not say that what, you know, they're doing is sin. Um, and that's a, and, and I would want to have a more loving conversation with yeah. people in the homosexual LGBTQ community. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is the culture is going to eventually, and, and, and I've heard voices even now, they're going to advocate for things and they're going to take things too far. Yeah. So one, I think Christians need to be cautious as we're hearing people from the culture voice some of these ideas. But then two, we need to like, step up like we're we're the salt of the earth we're the light of the world we're to be the city on the hill i think this is a prime opportunity for churches and for christians to stand up and be a light um people are calling out for justice like a biblical view of justice is the ultimate view of justice like any justice that the world advocates will ultimately fall short of god's justice when we have this beautiful doctrine that we can be shaped by and then shine a light into the world. Another thing is with Black Lives Matter, like we believe in the Imago Dei, that every single person was created in God's image. And so it's not wrong for a Christian to say Black Lives Matter. Um, we can actually, we actually have more to but, offer. But all lives <laughs> and, and they do. Nobody's arguing <laughs> that they don't. But... In a, in, that, that was a joke. Everybody right. Has. And, and you know, maybe something to say to somebody, if you just want a zinger to give somebody back to that, like in, in Nazi Germany, if someone said, hey, we should stop killing Jews, Jewish lives matter. Like nobody's going to argue like, 
oh, why are you, why aren't you saying all lives matter? It's because the pr- particular time and the particular context, these people's lives seem like they weren't mattering. Yeah. And people are standing up and saying, hey, their lives matter. We need to stand up and do something. But I, I think the church and Christians have so much to offer the world in this time. We were thinking about the Imago Day that everybody deserves dignity and respect and and value in God's eyes and in our eyes, you know. So the world is calling for these things, and we have all of these resources, all of these truths that we need that we can just set loose and just proclaim to the world and say, "Yeah, like y'all are right, and this is why." Yeah. You know, ultimately, an atheistic viewpoint, in my in my view, can't actually say that Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter or whatever you want to say, because it's survival of the fittest. You know, yeah. it's it's all people don't have dignity and value in that it's it's the strong um so that's kind of that's another soapbox I got. <laughs> um yeah we we could talk about this each one of these subjects we could talk about for a long time but uh gonna kind of just move into the last thing to to talk about um how i guess especially kind of it with this being an, an election year, um, like how being a, being a Christian, um, being a Christian that believes that being a Christian that believes abortion is wrong, um, but also being a Christian that believes that Black Lives Matter just as much as all other lives. Um, and that's sad to say that, <laughs> that there are people that don't believe those two things, but believing both of those things puts us in or puts us outside of both of our two predominant political parties in this country. Um, believing both of those things puts us at odds with either of the major two options for president um so having said that i want to talk about you know how do we how do we navigate that and i also want to talk about kind of flow into like how should we just like we've already talked about a lot of this but just anything that we've missed up to this point um how should we respond to all this um how should we what are we like i said we've already talked about some of this we've talked about you know the gospel aspect of it and um, preaching the gospel, we've talked a little bit of how how to use this. You know, um, y- y'all have talked about how to use this, some of these things in evangelism. Um, but just like, what should our our attitude be towards towards all this? But you know, th- those are kind of the last couple things I, I want to talk about. But um, so so yeah, and and the first one, especially when it comes to like election, I have no idea what to do at this point <laughs> like I'm, I'm just being honest like i do not have an answer like i'm unless something drastically changes like i there's not a candidate right now that i can vote for and sleep well at night um because it's sad to say i think either candidate you vote for potentially means lives being lost um and that's sad to say that we're we're in that position but um, yeah, so throw that out there. <clears throat> I mean, I hate to go back and kind of talk about what we were just talking about, but I mean, 
like we said earlier, again, it's a false dichotomy on a lot of things. Like if we say black lives matter, a lot of people are counter with, oh, well, why don't you care about black lives in the womb? Who said I don't? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you don't have to be one or the other. Yeah. And then another thing with Black Lives Matter. Yes, the actual organization stands for a lot of things that are anti-Christian and, and none of us would agree with. We would say that. But the essence of what they're saying is true. And I can get behind that because like we said earlier, Imago Day, we are made in the image of God, every person. So it shouldn't be offensive to say that black lives matter. And I'll carry that over into politics. That's another one. I mean, if you are against injustice, you're automatically labeled a social justice warrior and you have to be liberal. Whereas that's not true because, I mean, most of my values are conservative. But at the same time, the higher... uh, What's the good word? The higher moral that i live by is what christ has said in his word so that's where everything else trickles down from that i believe in so i can believe in christian values and i can believe in correcting injustice because god cares about correcting injustice for me when it comes to voting i think there's an aspect of the scriptures would call us to respect the consciences of different individuals. The Bible talks about there's some with weak consciences, there's some with stronger consciences. And I'm not going to say which political party I think would fall into each of those categories. But what I do want to say is, like for me personally, I, I'm with David. I, I, I can't vote for Donald Trump personally. Um, I can't vote for Joe Biden personally. But with that said, in 2016, I voted third party. I'll probably do the same thing in in 2020. Um, But with that said, I've seen some Christians who maybe articulate a a point like mine who will demonize people who vote for Trump. And while while for me personally, I cannot personally vote for this man. And I might get some pushback on this, but I also think it can be a legitimate option for a Christian to do that. I think it can be a legitimate option for a Christian to vote Democrat, to vote for Joe Biden. Um, I think there's so, it's such a complex, there's so many complex issues that maybe there's some Christians who are focusing mostly on the abortion issue and they feel like it would be good to vote Republican, not because they are pro-Trump, but because they want to focus on this abortion issue. I can understand that. There might be some Christians who are against abortion and they know that the Democrats are for abortion, but they also know that the Democrats are going to advocate for other issues that will promote life in other areas, helping the poor, um, helping the alien, the stranger, and, and, and things like that. I think that can be a legitimate option. So I want to, you know, I think one of the biggest issues is, for Christians is going to be unity during this election time. And and so I think having that spirit of, okay, I don't have to demonize this person because they're voting blue. I don't have to demonize this person because they're voting red. People have different consciences. People have different levels of understanding of politics. I don't claim to be an expert in politics. And, and so and some, some people are going to demonize me because they say, 
you know, if you don't vote for Trump, you're voting for the Democrat. But then the Democrats are going to tell me, if you're not voting for Biden, you're voting for Trump, essentially. But how can I be voting for both of them when I'm not voting for any of them? Does that make sense? So that was trying to be, me trying to be a little funny, but that's just kind of where I stand on these things. I, I think I want to give people freedom of conscience when it comes to the voting issues. I like a quote by Spurgeon. I think he said, when choosing between the lesser of two evils, choose neither. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> I know it's, it's, it's great to vote. It's something that, you know, it's a right that you can exercise. But I do feel like if there's two candidates that I cannot vote for either in good conscience, I'm making my voice heard just as well by not voting for either as I would be to hold my nose and vote for one. Very unpopular opinion amongst some of the black community. Uh, I was 18 when Obama ran the first time, so I voted because he was black, because I was influenced to do so. But if I would, if I was old enough now to be myself then, I wouldn't have voted for Obama simply because of his beliefs and what he was pushing for. And then looking in hindsight now, what he was able to accomplish for uh, you know, Obamacare with the, all the the taxpayers pretty much paying for abortion through Planned Parenthood. Uh, and that can be a whole other discussion as far as Planned Parenthood and how who started it and where most of those are set up at in mostly minority uh, civilizations, or not civilizations, areas. but neighbor, near areas and neighborhoods. Uh, and then also him legalizing uh, gay marriage. So, I mean, as far as me being aware now, you know, I, I look at my, my, what I did voting for him, you know, I, like we've, they've all said now, I can't, you know, reconcile what I did to say it was a good thing. I mean, yeah, he did accomplish some things for the black community, but would I, would I suffer the whole good of man for one people group to prosper? And that's pretty much what I did then because I wasn't informed enough. So to, so for now, like pretty much what has been said, you know, what do you do? Uh, and like Jonathan said, you know, if if one can, uh, if their conscience can bear it and they choose to vote, like he said, I'm not going to talk about the person. All I can do is offer my two cents. Uh, and if they don't take it, that's fine. If they weigh it and consider it, that's fine too. Uh, so just speaking from my own personal perspective, uh, and like what John said, it might be best not to vote. So it's like, but then going back to right what Jonathan said, is how you can uh, pretty much go to God in prayer and say, you know, Father, look if you look if you can look at God or look you know pray to God and say with good conscience, you know, I did what I thought you would want me to do, you know. I guess I'm more power to you, but for me, looking back on my choice to vote for Obama, I'm not going to say I wish I didn't do it because it's already done with, but I wish I would have been more informed, or rather more theologically informed, not just as far as on the um, on his policies, but just more informed as a Christian, because at that time I really wasn't living like I should as a Christian, and even now I still can do better, of course, uh, but moving forward, I just know that I have to make a choice. Uh, and, and I know there's a saying, and you stand for it. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Uh, and that's where America has made its bed, and that's where it's lying that it has, has fallen for. 
whatever seems good and tickles the ear at the moment. I need to apologize for everybody listening to this. Every time you hear somebody bump the microphone, it's always my foot. So just let you know. Uh, the the normal podcaster here is the one that keeps messing up the audio. So apologize to you guys and to the listeners. But um, man, this has been a this has been good. Uh, good enough that I vote we uh, do this again soon. Uh, <laughs> if y'all are down, because I think they, I think we all have. Uh, a lot more that we would we would like to talk about. I like to just add, um, you know, just on that that final thing um, that we, we've talked about this some, but I think just as as Christians and and Jonathan's talked about this some too. Like our we just got man, we just got to respond with with grace at at every turn. Um, I heard my my friend uh, Chad Hess, local pastor. Um, I heard a sermon he preached a few weeks ago, and, and he said, uh, I think this this isn't word for word, but it's something to the effect of it is um, the kindness of God that draws people to him, not the judgment of God. And um, and I think that's just kind of how we should, like it's, it's, it's grace, it's kindness, it's gentleness, it's... Um, that's how we should move forward both to... Because like we've made clear... We're kind of, and there's probably a lot of you there with us. Um, we're kind of almost in the middle with uh, people that disagree with us on the right and the left. Um, and so I think we have to constantly respond to those people with gentleness and with grace and with kindness and um, understanding that we think we, think we we are right on this issue, and and if we are right on this this issue, it's not because we're smarter; it's because of the grace of God. And without the grace of God, we'd be wrong, and we'd be on the wrong side of this. Um, and so, I think we've got to constantly move forward um, in that with that attitude. I'll I'll offer a simple um, application. You know, if we call, if we want to say, what should Christians be doing? Very simple. Read your Bible and pray. <laughs> but and I and I say that slightly, you know, in jest, but it I'm I'm being dead serious too. I think Christians should maybe especially look at some of the letters from Paul, Peter, John, and really consider the application points and the and the commands that they're offering to, to the believer in these in these books i think in these letters i think we should take seriously a lot of the one another's that's offered in scripture bear with one another love one another forgive one another all of these things that the bible is calling christians to do to one another um in, in jesus's call when he's washing his disciples feet and he say he says by your love the for one another the world will know that you're my disciples and 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 Christians on both sides of the political spectrum, and even in the middle, Christians uh, from different races, Christians from different socioeconomic levels, classes, um, we need to be we need to be grasping these truths and applying these truths for our lives, striving to to do them with our brothers and sisters, and 
and I think that's that's sim- it's it's a simple idea to like say, oh, okay, this is what I need to go do, but it's really hard. And I would say too that it's going to be hard to do those one another's to to each other if we don't even know other people that are different than that's us yeah. from from different. You know, if I'm rich, I need to get to know some poor people. If I'm middle class, I need to get to know different people from different walks of life so that I can understand how to love them. I can understand how to bear with them. I can understand how to serve them, how, how to do all of these commands. Um, so that's one of the things that I think we should do. Um, well, if you're rich, I'm pretty poor. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Christians, you need to stop sharing things on social media just because you like what it says. And not <laughs> or just because you like the title of an article. Um, that's what we should not be doing because that's really frustrating that people uh, I'm just kind of joking but but for real having said that like um, we're not coming in here talking about this just like shooting from the hip like we've we've all done some some research in this area we've all listened to people we've all done some reading we've all done some listening we've all done like like do like get in get informed um don't just believe something because your favorite news channels tells you um and i would even say talk to people who believe differently than you yeah. I and mean, you learn stuff that way yeah <clears throat> yeah and you find out they're not people that disagree with you aren't all horrible monsters mm-hmm. um but but yeah so Thank you guys for uh, joining us. Dalen's got one more thing. One little joke, as he said in jest. Uh, there's only one race, and it's for second place. Uh, and I say that because Jesus already won. He overcame the world. So God's people are always going to be in first place. Now, things might happen to where it looks like we aren't. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to take hold and believe that through Jesus, we have already overcame the world. So anybody not in Christ is basically racing for second place so that's what you're seeing happen is that a lot of people are vying for the top spot in this world but we know that Christ's kingdom isn't of this world uh but that also can be taken literally too that there is only one race because if there was more than one race we wouldn't be able to breed so all these mixed people would be yeah humanoids i guess (laughs) you know (laughs) but yeah now go and be the church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a very ex- inclusive inside joke. Uh, but, um, so yeah, so follow us on social media. Thank you guys for joining. Um, I vote we do this again real soon because I got more I want to say that we've run out of time with, and I feel like we all do. Um, so yeah, subscribe. Give us if you like us. Give us a review. Holler at us. Um, we'd like to to get to know you if you listen. Um yeah, so thanks for listening. Do you know how hard it would be to find a white dude walking around the streets of Galilee in the first century? It's like Bigfoot riding a unicorn on top of a rainbow. Real Jesus was a middle listing Jew. I can hear speaking what's the reason.